Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back. George Norrie with David Politis. David, not counting these missing military men and women, perhaps, how many people have disappeared in the state of Washington? Well, you got to be careful here because it's, uh, it's not just people who have disappeared. It's people that just fit this profile that we're looking at. And we're approaching 100. Uh, with the book that I put out, uh, I like to put out a driving map as well, and there's a full driving map with the book with all the disappearances that I've researched in Washington plotted on the map. And the largest cluster of missing people in Washington is Mount Rainier. Um, there's, and I, know, I don't like to write about missing climbers, technical climbers, because that could always kind of be explained away. Right. And I won't go into a whole lot of detail about the 15, but there is one case that I, I wanted to talk about that happened on Rainier, and it was the disappearance of uh, two guys named Chris Hartonis and Raymond Vakili. Chris was 40 years old. Vakili was 48. They went missing November 5, 1999, and they were at a place called Camp Muir on Mount Rainier on the Muir Snowfield. It's on the south side of Rainier. And uh, the route to the, that area of the hut, and they were going to stay, at, starts at a place called Paradise at the bottom of the mountain. And Paradise used to be a golf course in the 1930s, and then in the, in the 70s it was a ski resort. And they took that all away, and now it's just uh, an area to start a climb. But MPS uh, stated in their research that Hartonis was the most experienced person traveling to the Muir Hut over 100 times in seasons of all types of weather. He was an FAA engineer living in Seattle, and Vakivi was a friend of Hartonis's, and he had an equal amount of experience. And then there was one other guy that started the trip with these two, who had, and they had summited dozens and dozens of times. Well, this group of three left on November 5th. The third person in the party was kind of dragging behind an old sled of his in the snow, got tired real quick, and he decided, hey, I'm just going to go back to the car. I'll meet you guys later when you're done. And again, 
That's that point of separation I told you about earlier. Yeah, exactly. Well, the pair, Artonis and Vakili, were seen ascending uh, at a location called Panorama Point by one of their friends. That's the last time they were ever seen. Now, a lot of people would just sign this off and say, oh, you know, Dave, no big deal. It's just a couple of guys. But the statements that NPS made, National Park Service, is what really keyed me on this case. Now, the pair didn't return, and the National Park Service got involved, and there was a November 10th article that had this statement from the spokesman for the National Park Service, Mark Morgan. Quote, Hartonis is probably one of the most experienced people in the world on the Muir snowfield. And then after that quote, he said, bad weather hampered the search. Well, the Army sent helicopters and canines were used in this 10-day search looking for these two. Now, after that initial 10-day search, and you've got to remember they're dragon sleds that have their stuff on it. Nothing was found. And Mark Gautier from the National Park Service made this statement. And this is pretty, pretty sobering. This is the fourth serious incident on the Muir Snowfield in 1999. It's difficult to speculate what exactly happened to the men. It's perplexing when two experienced, cautious, and mature climbers just disappear. They were well-equipped, and Artonis was very familiar with the area. Both men have a history of good decision-making in the mountains, and neither had a reputation of pushing it. Efforts to locate them will resume this summer when the winter snowfalls begin to melt. It is hoped that clues will be revealed. Well, there was a second search that summer. Nothing was found. And to this day, nothing has ever been found of Chris Artonis and Raymond Vakili. How bizarre. And they were prepared for the elements, too, weren't they? Like the National Park Service said, George, they were some of the most experienced men in the world on that part of the mountain. And when the Park Service comes out and says things just like that, I've never heard him say anything like that before. So uh, I pay attention. And it's, it's so unusual to have two people disappear. And these sleds they're, they're dragging are probably five feet long. They're not going to go away. These things are huge. I can't believe it. And as long as you have snow, it's not too difficult to pull, right? Exactly. Exactly. Do they have weapons, David? Do you know? Um, you know, climbers don't don't usually carry weapons. It, it's, it, they're heavy and you know they they're bulky, and there's really no reason at those altitudes in their mind to be carrying anything like that. So I've never known a climber to carry one. What do their family members say? That's a very good question, and uh, they never came forward and said anything to the press. And I've never heard anything more about this since it happened. What does your gut tell you? You know, when you, you think about, well, first of all, there's other things that have happened high up on that mountain that are very strange that are in the book. But the man, when the Park Service says these people just disappeared, those were his words, those weren't mine. Where did they disappear to? And they bring canines, and the canines can't track where they went to. And we're talking about 25 years from the time this happened. There's been significant loss of snow and ice on the mountain. Where did they go? I mean, if their bodies were there, the canines would have found it, right? Exactly. 
and they they rolled cadaver dogs through there, so cadaver dog could pick up a cadaver dog could pick up a scent five miles away. It's unbelievable. I know you're hesitant to to take a position on any of this, but you've got to have ruled some things in and out in your in your own personal mind. And that's a good that's a good angle. I'm glad you brought that up. So one of the things that we go through in picking a case to do research on is we have to eliminate, number one, animal predation. Um, on the side of Rainier, up that height, no, there's not. There's nothing that's going to eat these guys up. Now, if you're in the North Cascades National Park, yeah, maybe there's going to be a grizzly bear or a mountain lion that could take you out. So when search and rescue goes in there, we read the reports and we see if there's any evidence of animal predation. If there is, we won't read the report. We're done reading it. You're done. Now, the other, the other thing is um, some people want to disappear. And it's not against the law to disappear. If you don't want to be found, so be it. So if that's a choice and they, the Park Service or the Nash, uh, search and rescue teams believe it is, that's another one that we'll just pass on. But... In the grand scheme of things, the National Park Service search and rescue people and the private search and rescue teams that work away from the park, they're well attuned to what they're looking for, and they'll write it down on their reports. So when we start looking at a case, first thing I'm looking for is how did the canines react when they were put on the scent? In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
it's dramatic, David. I mean, and it's all over the country, isn't it? It's not just Washington. Well, we put out a uh, a map of the United States and southern Canada, and there's 64 clusters of missing people throughout the United States. Now, there's a swath down the middle of the U.S., north to south, where on that map there's hardly anybody missing. And in Missing 411, the UFO connection, in, in the um, documentary we did, I got a call one time from a guy who worked for the government. He said, Dave, please look at this. Look at the Ogallala Aquifer. And you're going to see that the aquifer almost lays perfectly over your area. And I did, and son of a gun, it does. And one of the things that we work on when we're working these missing persons cases is we keep an eye on water because in almost every one of these cases, water plays into it somehow. And in the UFO connection, there's a story in there in the movie about a guy in uh, Wyoming. He was a farmer, and he was dying out there because he didn't have any water. And he had a couple people come out and try to drill for him. He couldn't find any. And he said that some UFOs flew over his land and landed there. Two aliens walk over to him and pointed to a place in the ground and told him to drill there. Jeez. This is a true story. A lot of people won't believe this, but when I came out with this story, a guy from Los Angeles, who was part of a film crew uh, for the local news, went there, and he has... Uh, footage when they were there interviewing this guy of ufos in the sky above the property when they were there make a long story short george the the guy who owns the land tries to get some people to come out and drill and they said hey there's no water there we've already drilled once we're not going to steal your money and drill again he buys an old army tank and he does this makeshift drill and he drills on the spot and he hits a huge gusher of water Jeez. nobody can believe it now, here's the thing that even the person who told me about the Ogallala Aquifer did not know. That guy hit an arm of the aquifer going into Wyoming. What do you mean by that? So aquifers have these arms that come off of, off of them underground. One of these arms from the aquifer extended into Wyoming. You mean like extensions? Yeah. And this guy hit an arm of the Ogallala Aquifer. And how strange is that? Why would aliens want him to drill there and even have access to the water? For themselves, maybe? I don't know. But that swath of land down the middle of the U.S. is where the aquifer is at. And we don't have any missing people from there. Hardly any. I mean, there's, there's a couple, but nothing really. Of the missing people, David, how many have UFO reports surrounding these stories? Almost none. Okay. Almost none. But we've done research uh, on databanks to see if there's a history in that area. And in, that, in the movie The UFO Connection, we did a big segment on the area around Cheyenne, Wyoming, and where this guy hit this gusher. And there's a series of hunters we highlighted in the movie that are missing from this area northwest of Cheyenne, and all of the hunters in that area were all German. 
That's peculiar. I'd say so. Do you put all this into a computer base? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've worked it three ways to Sunday. And Are you getting any common denominators? Profile points. Yeah. German. Uh, another one, uh, part of that list, I didn't get to the final ones, but there's a series of intellectuals, George, that have disappeared. And what I mean by that, physicians, physicists. Uh, in my books, I've written about six physicists who have disappeared, who have never been found, and they're all German. I could not find anyone, a physicist, who wasn't German that disappeared. What is the significance of that? It's bizarre. I've had a lot of, I'm not proposing this is true, but I've had a lot of people write to me and say, well, Dave, you know, there's a whole Antarctica connection with the Germans, and they're supposedly still up there, and maybe they're taking people to work this project. I don't know. It's odd that they're all German. That is weird. And then there's a whole series of physicians who have disappeared. It's also odd. Like they may be needed someplace. And you know what? Oddly, George, your comment is interesting because all of these physicians were described as the nicest, most easygoing, the type of people that could live with anyone. And they were never described as a hard-nosed, difficult to get along with. No, it was just the opposite, the nicest people. Would you want to be plucked up and then just taken somewhere? So, <laughs> and never returned? You know, when you do these conferences in front of a, hundreds of people, you do them, you do them all the time, and you yeah. come up with some weird questions and things, and they said, well, we've heard this story about uh, a guy who was taken, and he was given the option of going to live on a spaceship forever, forever, or coming back to Earth, and this guy chose to go on and... Otherwise, they wipe your mind clean and they put you back on Earth. Well, on my YouTube channel about a month ago, I did a series on people who disappeared and were later found with amnesia. And the interesting part about this, this was predominantly in the late 30s to early 50s. And then it almost seemed to stop. And there were a series of people, and I did, I did videos on 10 of them, and they would disappear in one part of the country and disappear and be found hundreds and hundreds of miles away in another part of the country with no means of transportation from point to point. And no recollection of how they got there. Giddy up. This is still, David, one of the weirdest stories I have ever, ever come across. Strangest. Well, it, it causes me to stay up nights. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. 
Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.